What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UJ Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me, as always, on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And uh, today for you guys, we got some football talk. Obviously, this is not a Friday. Uh, you might be listening to it on a Thursday. Uh, schedule had to be changed a little bit this week. Got some work things. Had to move around. So we're having our, our normal football Friday show here on a Thursday this week. But uh, it's it's football regardless, so hopefully... You guys can find some enjoyment in it, at least a little bit here, even though it's a day early. Uh, but uh, what we're going to be talking about today on our show is we're going to be looking at one more time, we're take one more look back at the 2018 signing class, and we're going to rank that class, uh, the most epic class in Georgia history, uh, almost by all by all accounts. Uh, we're going to rank that class position by position, we're not player by player. That would take us a little too long. So we're going to look at it. We're going to look at each individual position and go through and discuss which position we think was the strongest part of the 2018 class, and then work our way down all the way to the weakest position. Actually, we'll probably do it the inverse. We'll start at the bottom and work our way up. But before we get there, just a couple quick reminders we want to throw your way. You guys can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. I love the interaction and appreciate any thoughts you guys have to share. Uh, You can also find us on a bunch of different platforms out there. The show is up, uh, of course, on DawSportsRadio.com, and you can download the DawSports Radio app straight to your smartphone. Uh, if, if iTunes and SoundCloud work for you guys, the show can be found there. And you can also find us on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. I uh, definitely appreciate all of you that have taken time to rate and review the show. That really does help us as we continue to try to grow the show and, uh, and produce some, at least hopefully, decent content for everyone out there. Um, so if you get a chance, that would be awesome if you could give us a rating and review. Kind of just let us know what you think about the show and how we're doing here. Uh, and uh, if, if, if you listen to us on, especially if you listen to us on iTunes, it'd be great if you could just take a little second or two to help uh, give us some feedback there. That would be greatly appreciated. But all right, Kurt, let's go ahead, man, and let's take a look at this 2018 class. Definitely, we talked about this last week, obviously, right after signing day. But uh, we didn't really get a chance to look at anything beyond the guys that signed on signing because we already we had a recap show of the early signing period. We want to make sure we touched on the signees from the February signing period, but we didn't kind of look back in retrospect at the entire class. So I want to take some time and do that today and, and do it in a, in a little bit of a different way by looking at it position by position and talking about which positions we feel like were strongest in this class and which might have been lacking to some small degree. Now, when you sign the number one class uh, in the country and arguably the greatest class of all time, I think you can definitely make that argument like we just laid out last week. It's hard to pinpoint any position as being weak. There, we don't have any weak positions. But there, I do think you can say there are some that were weaker than others. And that's definitely the conversation that we want to have today. So, Kurt, you want to go ahead and jump into this, man? Uh, yeah. Um, you know. So, if you well, start at the really... bottom, what was the weakest? If you had to pick one position group that was probably the weakest in this class, where would you go? Uh, I'm probably going to go with D-line. That's exactly what I have here. Um what is about the D-line? No, we only signed three guys, so is it just a numbers thing, or are you throwing in quality as well? Probably quality. I mean, I think we got- he's a stud. Like, yeah. They might turn out to be, but like on paper, coming out of high school into the program, you don't have that one mega recruit. You're like, dude, everybody was after this guy. And I think that kind of holds that position back a little bit in this class. Of those three guys, we got Devontae Wyatt, who, who went Juco last year. He was initially supposed to be a member of the 2017 class, didn't quite qualify, got close so he's able to join us this year. He's actually was he was on the team uh, during bowl practice. It was kind of just practicing along and 
getting kind of the hang of things a little bit, which which can be valuable moving into the spring here shortly, which is awesome to say. Uh, then we so he's but he's more of like a, a three tech defensive tackle. Jordan Davis is a true zero tech nose tackle kind of guy, uh, early down player against the run. You got Tremel Walthour who is a little undersized. He's probably more of a three tech, has the potential to potentially slide out and play some five in certain run heavy situations. Uh, but he's probably about 285-ish right now. Uh, of those three guys, for which guy are you most excited about? Definitely Wyatt. I think the fact about him is he's got a little bit of experience coming in. Um, he got into got into a little bit of practice um, for the bowl game, so I think um, I think he's going to be the closest guy that's going to be cl- uh, get some immediate PT. I agree with you. Uh, do you think he's going to get immediate playing time? Is he going to be a contributor this year? I definitely think he is. I think. I mean, I think uh, needs will. It's just a numbers thing right now. Yeah, I saw that last year, and that's a position where you want to stay fresh. Uh, if he can come in and get the playbook down, which I think he will be able to, especially like you mentioned, coming in a little early, that should help a little bit with that. Um, and having a year of college football at the JUCO level, but still college football under your belt and kind of uh, just kind of getting used to that system and, and learning uh, learning the, te- the technical aspects of the position a little bit more. Now, obviously, we'll get into more of that. Trey Scott will, will be beating him over the head with all that stuff like he does all the guys out there. But I think White has uh, definitely has the potential to get some serious playing time this year. I think he's a little bit more explosive than Walthour is right now. A little bit more polished. And look, we have I haven't seen White in a year. We don't know how much he progressed in that year at JUCO. But coming out of high school, uh, I wouldn't say that his his high. And I didn't see Wyatt Walthour or Davis live, so I don't have that to speak from. But just looking at their tape, Wyatt from high from his high school days, a little bit more explosive, maybe slightly more polished than Walthour. Nothing tremendous there in terms of you know like an overwhelming advantage coming out of high school, but. I would, I would think I would certainly take Wyatt there. He was number five Juco defensive tackle coming out last year. Um, and then you look at Jordan Davis, a guy that's a, a true nose tackle. Now, we're losing big John John Atkins. Can Jordan Davis potentially make a move for some playing time this season as a freshman? Oh, I think without a doubt. Uh, later in the season, I think uh, – I mean, you see it with some people that um, as the season goes on, I think that's the biggest thing is he just has to get used to the physicality and everything. Um, that's why I think later in the season, especially when you're playing a team like Tech where you're going to have to rotate guys in and out because of the way they block and everything, yeah. that he will get some PT. Yeah, he just has that one thing you can't teach, right? Size. Yeah, he has that size. And and you simply can't teach that. You can't have enough of it on the defensive line. Um, now, he needs to work on his pad level something serious uh, based on what I've seen from him, at least his high school highlights. Uh, his pad level is something you got to work on. That is certainly something that you can clean up. Uh, he doesn't bend overly well, at least from what I've seen. Again, I haven't seen a ton of him outside of what's out there on the, in the huddle sphere. But from what I've seen, I, he needs to work on his ability to bend, play with lower pad level. Uh, but I think those are all things that you can clean up. And I trust Trey Scott to kind of get that job done there. But like I said, he has that one thing you can't teach. He has that size. And we have a need there. We're probably going to have to play Julian Rochester uh, as the starter at that position, I would say, probably this year. And there's just not a ton behind him. Maybe Dequan Hawkins-Muckle gets back in the rotation at that position a little bit. But Davis, he, he kind of fills that need. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some playing time. I don't see him as a starter or anything like that. But he's definitely a body you can throw out there. Uh, is Tramel Walthour potentially a redshirt candidate? Yeah, I think definitely. If anyone's got red shirts, it could be him. Yeah, and again, like we, there's a need there, especially with Trent Thompson going pro. So he'll have an opportunity. I just don't know if he's ready yet. I don't think he's a polished enough guy. Now, maybe he comes in, he wows. He, he does have the athleticism. He certainly does have that, but I think he needs to clean up his game a little bit there, which is fine, and, and there's nothing wrong with having a red shirt. It, it could definitely pay some dividends for you down the road. But uh, if you look at this class before we move on, 
if you look at the defensive line class, the average rating of these guys, and I included Devontae Wyatt's rating as the number five Juco defensive tackle, and that's kind of inflated because there's not that many Juco defensive tackles coming out. So I could have used his high school rating, but I chose even even with that, just go with his Juco. But even with him being at, uh, rated number five Juco defensive tackle coming out of the country, uh, if you look at the average rating, it comes out to 353 nationally because Jordan Davis is 425 nationally. Shamel Walthour is 631. Stars don't mean everything. They do not, all right? It doesn't mean everything in the world. But if you look at position by position, the average rating of each position, that is by far the lowest in our class this year. So I think defensive line is safe to say probably the lowest on paper coming into the the, the program. Uh, all right, the next one here, who do you got after defensive line? You got – there's a couple that I, I was looking at here. Where you? Who do you have coming in after defensive line? I actually went with quarterback. Interesting. All right. You okay? You and I differ here. All right. Tell me. So you got quarterback as the next to lowest, next to last uh, here on on our list here. So you, the second weakest essentially position in this class. Why are you going quarterback? Is that's the number I two prospect in the yeah, country? It's, it's, there's no question. We got in, in most of our opinions the top quarterback in the class this year, which I think is huge and everything. But I think the one thing that hurts us is. Um, because, you know, we still, right now we have two scholarship quarterbacks. Um, I, you know, depth wise, you know, adding a prospect like Fields is, you know, a generational player. But the thing is, I mean, we still have, you know, a lot of trouble when it comes to that, um, quarterback room and we'll have Stetson Bennett become the number three guy, but you know, that's still a dangerous grounds to be in. And I think, um, and and you also just have to look at, like I said, the sheer number of what you took. I mean, yeah, you got one of the top players, but at the same time, I mean, compared to other position groups where you added multiple top players. Yeah, that, and that's a question I kind of had to, I was dealing with as well when I was making out my list, because you have to kind of weigh, okay, you have to weigh, okay, how many guys did you sign the position, the quantity of guys you signed versus the quality of the guys you signed. And quarterback is, is case in point, right? You, you, It's hard to get higher quality than Justin Fields at number two in the country, who I think is a better prospect than than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, and sure, you can call me biased. That's fine, whatever. But I, I was saying that a year and a half ago um, before we were leaving in the picture with Justin Fields. So I, I think he's, in my opinion, the top prospect in the country coming out of high school this year. But at the worst, what, number two? So the, the quality is clearly there. But the quantity, well, he said right now, I guess now that he's on the roster, we got two scholarship quarterbacks. We had one before adding him. It would be nice to have added one more, right? Yeah, I mean, even if it was maybe a three-star or someone. Just I mean, somebody. I, I mean, I guess we got a preferred walk-on from um, Alpharetta or yeah, somewhere like did. that. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was Alpharetta. Yeah. But, um, I mean, still, I mean, sometimes you'll see classes with multiple kids, but it's hard when you get a kid ranked so high because sometimes, like, I mean, you saw it last year. Clemson gets um, Chase Bryce and Hunter, Hunter Sims. Chase Bryce? Uh, no, Hunter, uh, what Hunter Johnson. Hunter Johnson. There you go. Elite yeah, those yeah. two. I mean, that doesn't happen all the time. But if we had had a situation like that, I think you definitely put this that group at almost yeah. maybe. More, yeah, Chase more Bryce, who's a lower-rated guy from Grayson. You get Hunter Johnson, who's an Elite 11 guy. And then this year, you get Trevor Lawrence on top of that. That's similar. I mean, in a way, that's – now, outside – no, they added Chase Bryce, who's like nice insurance, I guess. But, yeah, I think that's the, that's the only difference because yeah. you have the numbers. Yeah, because we add Fromm. They add Hunter Johnson. They add Trevor Lawrence. We add – uh, Justin Fields, but we don't have that other guy. We don't have that Chase Bryce to be interested. I guess you could say Stetson Bennett. You mentioned Stetson Bennett. Uh, now, this guy is apparently a baller. He's tore it up all season on the scout team. Would you have faith in him coming in potentially as, as a number three quarterback if, if God forbid, that ever had to happen? Yeah, I mean, 
let's be honest. If you're at your number three quarterback, it, does, it doesn't really, really matter, matter, right? You're yeah, in trouble. It doesn't really matter. I mean, unless you're Ohio State and get lucky. But other than that, it, you, uh, that's I think that's a one in a million. Category. I think the I think what really comes down to the kind of situation we're facing coming into last year. It's one of the reasons we wanted Bryce Ramsey back so bad is when you only have two scholarship quarterbacks, if one goes down, the other guy's going to play. Even if he only goes down for like a couple of snaps in a critical moment, you know, in a critical game, he goes down for maybe the rest of the game for the second half or something. But he'll probably be back next week. Well, if it's in a close, tight game, you're going to have to play the guy who you think gives you a good chance to win. And if yeah, you, you saw with Ethan when he originally got hurt. You don't, we didn't know. know how serious. Yeah, we didn't know. But it's like, well, we're going to put Fromm in here. So it, it'd be nice in a situation like we have now where – and we'll see. Maybe Justin Fields comes in and wins the job. That's a possibility. We don't know what's going to happen. But let's say that Fromm is able to hold him off. He keeps the job. Uh, and then you – but let's say he gets hurt at some point. God forbid. Knock on wood. God forbid. But uh, in that situation, if you only have two scholarship quarterbacks, you're almost forced to put in Justin Fields. When maybe you had a plan to hopefully redshirt him. Now, maybe we use him in, in, in situations outside of that. Maybe we, we have plans to use him regardless. You have some – some packages for him, whatever it might be. But if we happen to maybe want to redshirt him, and we don't know how that's going to work out, it's really nice to have a little insurance policy there, a guy that could go in and take a couple snaps, you know? But we don't exactly have that outside of maybe Stetson Bennett, who we've heard good things about, but I, I think the guy's like five foot two, maybe, something along those lines. Um, so, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from but because of the sheer numbers. And it would be nice to get another maybe a three-star type guy. But for me, it was hard because – the quality is is it's so it it's so up there, man. It's so significant, and the quarterback position to me is such a critical position. It's it's one of those, if you don't have one, you're not going to win big. You're just not. You got to have one. And so when you are able to snatch a guy of the caliber of Justin Fields, even if there's only one guy at the position, and people, normally you don't sign. Usually you don't sign multiple quarterbacks. That would be nice for us to get one. But if you can get one guy like that, I would have to put it a little higher than next to last in terms of, of rating these positions. So I actually had quarterback at number three, believe it or not, because I think the position is just so important. I'm so high on what Justin Fields could potentially be down there. I think he is a, I don't want to say he's a program. He has to be a program changer because I think our program has already changed. I think we've transformed our program, but if we hadn't yet, he's the kind of guy that could take you to that level. Um, and, and I think whenever he plays, I don't know when that's going to be, but whenever he plays, this guy is going to be a big time player for us. So for that reason, I have that at number three, but I totally get where you're coming from, having a little bit lower. All right, so you've got defensive line. I'm with you there. You got quarterback coming in at six, so we're, we're looking at seven different positions here. We're looking at defensive line. Uh, we're looking at DBs, linebackers. We're going to take outside linebacker, inside linebacker together. Uh, then we're looking at offensive line, quarterback, running back, and then wide receiver, tight ends. So that's seven position groups. So there's your first two. What group do you have coming in next at number five? At number five, I have the wide receiver tight end group. That's that's who I had at number six. So we're not too far off there at all. So what has them down towards the lower end for you? Um, I mean, you have one of the top tight ends in most most places with Luke Ford, and um, you got um, Tommy Bush, which was a top one hundred player sure. from uh, ESPN and some other places. So I think that gives them a little bit. But I mean, not. Kyrus Jackson's a solid player. I mean, Fitzpatrick's going to be a solid player. Um, I just think it's a fact of, I mean, compared to, once again, like D-line, I mean, we have a little bit better playmakers there than we do on the defensive line, but they still don't match up to what we did with the rest of the class in each group. Yeah, I'm, that, that's fair. Um, I had them at number I six. Mean, the thing is, I don't think we have anyone that is a, that jumps off the pages. You, you won't be able to keep them off the field. Yeah, I, I like a like a, a definite media impact type guy, right? You don't, yeah, like I don't see that. Where you're gonna have, they're going to have to do something 
wrong to stay to yeah. be off the field. I mean, I mean maybe, and I'm not saying none of those guys can contribute early. Maybe Tommy Bush can contribute early. Maybe he can fill that Javon Williams role. Maybe, but I'm not counting on that. You know? Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I yeah. think they have solid players that are going to be more than just depth pieces, but they're not guys that I'm looking to come play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm with you there. And if you look at uh, each player in that in that grouping. You got Luke Ford coming in at number 51. It's the highest rated wide receiver slash tight end, pass catching type dude that we've got coming in. Uh, tight end from Illinois. Kiris Jackson at 130 from Peach County. Tommy Bush, uh, according to the 247 composite, comes in at 196 nationally. John Fitzpatrick from Maris comes in at 316 nationally. So if you average all that out, it comes out to an average rating at that position group of 173rd nationally in the 247 composite. So nothing to scoff at. I mean, it's I had this at number six. But if you look at it, it's like, dude, 173rd nationally is the average rating. That's pretty legit. Most teams would kill to have that. But for us, that's kind of down the list a little bit. Uh, so yeah. we're fortunate. So we're, we're kind of, you know, we're we're really kind of nitpicking here. But that's because we have some serious quality at some of the other positions. So I'm really excited about Luke Ford. Uh, do you think he can slide in and make much of an impact this year? Because we, we're kind of stacked at tight end this year. Um, I think he might because I'm going to be honest, Jackson Harris was a joke. I mean, you saw it not, in, yeah, um, not good in, enough. The, in, the, in the last two games when we had to depend on him to play and he couldn't do it. Yeah, and Jeb, so Jeb's gone, obviously. you know, Thank you, Jeb, for everything you did, bud. Uh, and then you got Jackson Harris who, I, I mean, he's he's a body. You know, he can he can he's a pretty solid inline blocker. I mean, I think he's all right, but I think he, he's just see how much better. Luke the other Ford has a, a significantly higher ceiling. There's no doubt. And yeah. whether he's ready to, to to overtake Harris this year, I don't know. We'll see. But he's gonna, he's certainly gonna have a shot there. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But of course, you've got Nada and honestly, uh, Tommy Bush. You got the size, obviously at six five that you just can't again. Kind of like. Uh, uh, Jordan Davis, the defensive line. You've got Tommy Bush that size. You just simply cannot teach. John Fitzpatrick. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what to expect from him as another tight end we brought in. Uh, he's, he's certainly a big dude at six six. Uh, so he's a big frame. Uh, from what I've seen from him, he, he he does a really good job getting extension on his blocks. Uh, I don't know if he he is the most athletic pass catcher, but he's certainly no scrub there either. Um, so I think he can definitely be a solid contributor down the road. We'll see how that kind of plays out. But uh, not, not a scrub group by any stretch of the imagination, just maybe not as great as some of the other groups. Uh, so I had them at number six. You had them at number five. Who do you have coming in at number four? I'm interested. Um, at number four, I go with defensive back. All right, so DB coming in at four. All right, so so that means obviously above them you've got offensive line, linebacker, and running back in some order. We'll f- find out what order here momentarily. So what puts DB at number four? Why wouldn't you have the DBs ahead of the running backs, for instance? Because I do. Um, well, I mean, we got Tyson Campbell, who who I think is probably an immediate impactor, a guy who's going to come out and jump off the page at you. But other sure. than that, I think we got good players. But, I mean, I would say solid players. I mean, Devon Wilson, I think he'll be a good player, um, just like I think Chris Smith will. Um, but when you compare them to the reason I have the running backs third, but the difference is I think when you when you look at what we have in our two running backs, to me you have two guys that jump off the page and are very versatile in what they do. And as freshmen, if depending on how healthy Zamir White is, they are guys that could get a lot could could get PT as freshmen with just their because of their skill set and what they offer. I mean, you got James James Cook who can do things out of the backfield and you know he could split out into a slot he he, he brings like a, a pass catching role that we don't really have that much of other than swift really um and i think he's a better receiver than swift and you have zeus who's just i mean he's just a hot he's just a beast and um and that, that's zeus why pre-injury we don't exactly know what zeus we're going to be getting 
But still, yeah. you, let, let's just assume the best, okay? Pre-injury Zeus. We'll, we'll assume that. I'll give you that. Yeah, if he were close to what he was, I'd still think he'll be pretty solid. Compared to DB, I think the only person, in my opinion, who's looking at a, playing as a freshman is uh, Tyson Campbell. Other than that, I don't think you see anyone else that's really going to come in as a freshman. You don't think Otis Reese potentially finds his way into the lineup somewhere in that defensive backfield? The thing about him is he could play there for a while, but... It's just hard to predict. You don't. Yeah, we have no idea how his body's going to grow. I mean, it, uh, to me, the one thing I think he lacks of, which is what I think is going to keep him off the field, is his uh, pass coverage. Yeah, I, th- and that scares me too. Cause I, I, I'm with you. And it's because we didn't have to see him do much. If you, if you watch his highlights, it's just him yeah, cutting people his, in half. It, his, all his highlights are him you know, making plays for the line of scrimmage. Yes, it, 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 it's him in run support. Which yeah. in his highlight, in highlights, obviously they don't tell the full story because they're they're nit- they're they're cherry picked, right? They're cherry picked. They put the best stuff up there. So when you don't have like any very few plays of you in coverage, that's kind of screaming to me. Oh wait, either you don't cover that much, maybe they don't throw the ball that much in your region. I don't know, but it seems like maybe that's just not where you excel, and you obviously excel at cutting people in half because he does a great job at that and run supports, no doubt. So I, I, that concerns me a little bit too. Uh, I do trust Mel Tucker and Kirby Smart to get to get those guys ready. Uh, but in, we talk about potentially having Reese play the star position because in run support he would definitely fit there. But having Reese potentially cover one of the slot, a, a shiftier slot guy, I think that's a mismatch all day long. Yeah, I mean, that concerns if, me. If you have to put Reese in that position, teams will start just audibling out, audibling the pass. Having him try to cover some RPO situations that's concerning to me at this point. Exactly. That's why I mean. That's why I said I, I think Campbell's the only one realistically has a chance of starting. Because of just what he offers, we know recent dupes tackling, but you have to be versatile to. You have to like. You have to do everything. You're gonna right. have to cover to some degree. Yeah, you got to be able to do everything right to get on the field as freshman. You, you, there's no more of these Trey Matthews where you can you can do one thing right but not the other. I mean, with what we're bringing in, you have to be you know well rounded to compete with everyone else. Yeah, and I mean potentially you see a situation where maybe Richard LeCount comes in there and he's more the 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 free ranging safety who's out there kind of playing center field a la Dominic Sanders. Uh, and then maybe Otis Reese comes comes play down the down towards the line of scrimmage a little bit more often. Maybe you see a situation like that, but still, it doesn't matter. You still have to be able to cover that position. I'm not saying the guy can't. I'm just saying I haven't seen it consistently. So I, there's some concerns there for me on that on that end. Um, I, I I've been on record saying if he continues to grow, I don't know how his body's going to grow. We just don't know. But it it stands to reason you might see an Alex Ogletree type situation where his freshman year. He's put on a little weight, but he's still probably a little light in the britches to play linebacker. So he's playing that that kind of box safety type that that position more or less. But maybe as he moves into his his sophomore season, he puts on that weight and his body grows, and he he does kind of morph into a linebacker. So I just don't know, I don't know how to project him right now. That's just kind of where I am with with Otis Reese. Uh, I I'm with you in terms of you saying like there's one guy in Tyson Campbell that I that I I truly expect to come in and seriously compete for playing time. He's number 12 nationally, the number two uh, corner in the country this year, coming out of high school. But there's some quality there outside of Campbell. Not not to his degree. You know, I think Otis Reese is a top 100 player, 87th nationally. We just kind of went over him, how we feel about him. Then Dab Joseph, this is a guy that Alabama was big on, 175 nationally, according to the 247 composite. Do you see him potentially trying to compete for a spot this year? There's going to be one cornerback job open. Does he try to compete for that? I mean, he'll try. Does he have a chance? But to me, I actually think he fits more of a safety role. I could see that as well. 
there's no doubt. Oh, I think that's what Kirby and Mel Tucker are looking to do. They they clearly are targeting guys that have that position versatility in the defensive backfield. Tyson Campbell like primarily played safety in high school. If you yeah, like, like a Mika that can do it all. Yeah, and you can slide him around. Mika, you know, he played safety. He's played slot. He's played out wide. You look at. Uh, 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 Ronnie, what's his name? Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Harrison, Alabama. He started in the star position. Now he's playing safety for them. So that position versatility is valuable back there because you want to be able to mix and match and get your best group out there. I, I totally understand that. And I think Tyson Campbell can he can play See, either position. The dabs can. can. Corner more than where I think the dabs gonna have to compete. I mean, he'll be looking at more of the star and safety position, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I could see that. I could see that. I for mean, sure. I, I think he could get on the field, but the thing is that why I don't think he'd be an immediate person is because you have to look who's ahead of him. Um, at the safety position right now, you've already got LeCount and Reed, and more likely you're going to drop McGee back to there, or maybe say Gibbs comes back healthy, and then he competes for that position. So you've got a lot of. And don't forget about Mark really, Webb, man. Mark Webb. I'm hearing good things again about Mark Webb. You know, I see. I see Webb compete for that corner position. Yeah, absolutely. Either yeah. way, even if he is going for that that star position, you've got a lot of good players out there that you're going to have to do it right to be. And since he's not an early enrollee, I think that's the one thing that may hurt him. I think we're going to have a lot better options this year. That's that's just, I, I think, think that's safe to say. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be competition. I mean, I don't know why Parrish played as much as he did last year, but sometimes I don't know if they just felt that's what the, I think, know. well, he was a senior. They trusted him for, I mean. Yeah, and, I think exactly uh, they trusted him. They felt safe. So I think the more competition you and have. the other guys like, just weren't ready. I mean, they just weren't yeah, ready. And now you have guys that, you know, more than one guy that's ready at each position. So you're going to be pushing everyone. I mean, Baker's position is solidified, but you're still going to have people over there pushing him in practice. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I truly believe Kirby when he says, for the most part at least, that nobody's position is really safe. That if a guy comes out there and beats you out, he beats you out. So I mean, if somebody comes and beats Baker out, he beats Baker out. This year. What's, say that again? I say you saw that you saw that on the offensive line this year. I mean, sure. no more position, sure. position was safe, really. Yeah, I mean, Solomon Kinley played really well for the first half of the season, and then got destroyed against Auburn, and then Cleveland finds his opportunity and takes advantage of it, and boom, Solomon Kinley's not playing anymore. So I, I, I do think Baker will have to he'll have to defend his turf over there, but I, I think Baker is is up to that challenge. We'll get into yeah, him a little I think bit more. He's got the position, but just to have the competition, I mean, it's great. It makes you better. Everyone's makes you better. better. Makes you better. There's no doubt about it. Uh, so for me. I have I had DB at number four. I had them one slot ahead of running back. I had running back at number five. The reason I put the DBs ahead of the running backs, I get what you're saying again, was Zamir White being the number nine player nationally, James Cook coming at 41. Zamir White's a stud if he's healthy, but there's a little bit of uncertainty there to a, to a small degree. I just don't know what to expect there. I mean, Nick, I'll just say this. I love Nick Chubb to death, but Nick Chubb uh, the last two years was not Nick Chubb pre-injury. But it's just his not. Was, it's his was a lot worse. There's no doubt, right? Or it seems to be that. From what we understand, I shouldn't say there's no doubt. It seems to be that his injury, from all reports, yeah, is worse. Bone, he had bone come to he had, Yeah, he had, a, he had a, a few more issues to deal with. Uh, whereas Amir kind of sounds like it was a clear ACL tear, uh, which a clean tear, which is kind of when that happens is kind of what you hope for. Yeah, because he didn't even know. No PCL, no MCL. The, the coaches, he was visiting. He was the actually visiting, yeah. Him. And the coach was like, dude, that was kind of swollen. Like, what, what's up, man? He's like, yeah, yeah, I heard it. He's like, oh, well, let's get that looked at. Oh, by the way, yes, your ACL is torn. Which kind of, that was a little bit of shocking news to get uh, over the, was that December? Or was that, was that, it was early December, wasn't it? No, it was. Was that November? Season, it, I think it was late, um, early November. Or was it really, too? I don't know. Yeah, because it, it, it was time. a home game for us. That's right. It was a home game. He was visiting for a game. That's right. You're right, man. I'm getting my months mixed up here. Uh, but, this comes back again to the to the discussion of quantity versus quality, and I know I'm kind of counter, uh, contradicting myself because I I put quarterback at number three. We only signed one guy there, but I think the the quality at DB is 
comparable to the quality at running back? Because you look, okay, Tyson Campbell, number 12 nationally. Zamir White, number nine nationally. That's kind of a wash right there. I expect both those guys to compete for playing time their freshman year. Now, James Cook at number 41 nationally. Uh, the next closest you have at DB is Otis Reese at 87th nationally. And James Cook might be a little bit better at his position than Otis Reese well, is. I, I think the difference is, though, is you got to look at what we have on the roster right now ahead of them. Ahead of the running backs? Yeah, at the running backs compared to what we have at DB when you talk about the, those guys getting on the field sure. at running backs. So you've got guys that have just been career reserves and that don't offer the same stuff as what someone like a Cook can do. That they set themselves I mean, apart. I, that makes sense. I mean, that's hard to argue with. But, I mean, you got you, you have DeAndre Swift who made a name for himself this year. I think Holyfield – and I know – Holyfield didn't see a ton of, of real quality playing time. It was all garbage time for the most part, but I'm high on his ability. But he's not a receiver. No, he's not. And, and Cook can kind of fill that role. There's no doubt. I mean, obviously Swift can, can play that. We saw that plenty of times this year. But I think Cook, I think honestly, from what I've seen from this guy coming out of high school, I think he's a more polished receiver out of the backfield than even DeAndre Swift was. Oh, yeah, Swift, some, his hands were a little shaky other than the swing I mean, pass. James Cook could legitimately go out and play receiver. If he, I mean, he's yeah, he, that he's he that could, smooth of a route runner. Yeah, that, he can go to slot any day of the week. In fact, I think he might be – I think he might have a – he might be a better receiver than a true running back, like honestly. And I think that's where his value comes. I mean, look at what, what the Saints were able to do without a guy like Alvin Kamara this year. I, I think Alvin Kamara is a better running back than James Cook. I think he's a more versatile running back. I think he's – because Kamara could run between the tackles and it, with no problem. He, he, he ran with some power. I'm not saying Cook can't do that. I think Kamara just might be able to do it a little bit better, uh, a little more strength there uh, between the tackles. But if you look at how the Saints use Kamara out of the backfield as a receiver this year, I think you could see us potentially – I don't know if it will be this year, but down the road, maybe this year – James Cook could fill a role like that. Could you see that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really definitely could. Like that. Yeah, and I think that's where his value will come. I don't know if he'll ever be a true, like, every-down type running back, but he can definitely bring something to the table. Uh, so, I mean, if you look at the running backs, I mean, the average between – there's only two guys, and that's what kind of held me back a little bit. Uh, but the, they, they averaged 25th nationally. I mean, Zamir at number 9 and Cook at 41. DBs come out to 164 nationally as an average. you got Tyson Campbell at number 12, Otis Reese at 87. So two top 100 guys there in the dad, Joseph, as 175. Then you got Chris Smith and Devon Wilson. Devon Wilson at 242 nationally and Chris Smith at 306. I think Chris Smith is a little bit underrated, though. Uh, I think I, I, This is a guy I got to see in person at 707 camp, and he was tenacious, um, active, good ball skills. Um, smooth, good hips. I, I'm really high on what he could potentially do down the road. He might not have the measurables of some of these other guys. He's a little. He's about 165, 170 pounds right now, soaking wet, maybe 5'11 ish. Uh, so the size isn't necessarily there, but the ball skills are there, the athleticism is there, the tenacity's there, the want to. I really like what I've seen him. But you know, maybe 300 is fair. I maybe put him in the top 250. Just splitting hairs there. Uh, but so I mean, if you put the running backs ahead of the DBs, I'm not going to argue with you because the quality is high there. But again, I think Tyson Campbell and Otis Reese are comparable to, to Zamir White and James Cook. And then you add in three other guys with a quantity to fill out the DB uh, position with this 2018 class. I would put them slightly ahead of the running backs there. All right, that brings us to our top three. How do you see the top three playing out, Kirk? Who's, who's coming in at number three? three. I already, I already gave you my So I got D-line, QB, wide receiver, DB. Who's the three? Running back? Yeah, running back was three. Oh, running back was three. Okay, so who's in your top two then? Um, with number two, I'm actually going offensive line. Dude, I was trying. To, I thought you would go offensive line number one. All right, so that means you got linebacking core number one. You and I had the same top two. Explain to me why you put the offensive line behind the linebacking core. I think most people on the service would point to the offensive line and say, "But the guys like Salyer and Mays and Hill, 
That should clearly be the number one position when you're ranking the positions in this class. Why did you go with linebacker ahead of offensive line? Because I think with linebacker, I mean, realistically, almost every single player could come in and play for us. I think that's the biggest thing is that we have guys at every position that, that jumped off the page. I mean, we lost a lot this past year with graduation and turning pro, and so we needed so we needed a good linebacker class. I think we put together probably one of the best ones we've ever had for a full linebacker core. Um, I mean, you got Adam Anderson, who's a pure pass rusher. I mean, the more he puts on weight, the more he'll become a complete. I've said uh, many times, I think the best pure pass rusher in this class. He needs to put on exactly. weight, the best pure pass rusher I, in this class. I, I, at this time and at this point in time, he is already a better pure pass rusher than what Lorenzo Carter was this time. I, oh, absolutely. And, and, and he needs to add some weight, like, like Carter did. But I have no. He I, he'll do that because he's already said he's trying to gain. I think around fifteen to twenty pounds. So he's already trying to get his weight up. Yeah. And then you, I mean, not only that. All right, then you go to Channing Tindall, who realistically, if he has, a, he's going to push for a, the starting inside linebacker position. He's just that good. Criminally underrated. He's now. He wasn't like. Poorly ranked. It, he was ranked 103rd nationally. To me, this guy should be pushing five star status. I, I think he's that good. I, I think this guy could he could very well come in and play and take over that starting position day one potentially. And we'll see. But I think he's that talented. I think whether it's this year or next year, whenever it happens, this guy's gonna be a stud for us. I think he's a top exactly. 50 player. You got him. Then you also get um, Quay Walker, who I mean is very versatile. I think he'll, he's going to be an inside guy. But yeah. Like I said, he's a versatile guy on pass situations. That also has the pass rushing specialist. I think those are the two inside linebackers of the future for us. I really do. Oh yeah, I agree. And so I mean, then you add, throw in um, um Ojalari Aziz. Yeah, Ojalari. Who he's unfortunately is another guy I mean, coming off an ACL injury. Off, but he's going to be coming off a torn ACL. But the fact is that he still is just a very athletic person. You know, um, you just can't, some of those things you just can't coach. I agree with you. Uh, and I, think, I yeah. think that's the fact is all these guys could well, and, okay, and, and Britton Cox. See, I didn't oh, know yeah, where to Britton put him. Because like, yeah, I mean, he might grow into a five-tech defensive end because he's already about 245 right now. Uh, so does he grow into a five tech, or do you put him at, at, at outside linebacker? Into, I think he grows into it, but right now he's he, he has the look of a Jordan a Jordan Jenkins, but I think he's got he's quicker than Jenkins. Well, if you I ask mean, him, I mean, when, when he does interviews, he's he's basically said, at least I know I'm coming in as an outside linebacker. It doesn't mean he won't play something else down the road, but I think that's where he's gonna get his first look. And right now, if he stays where his body is right now, maybe puts on like ten more pounds, he can stay there. Now if he's if he puts on like 20, 30 pounds, gets to the two eighty ish range, two seventy ish range, he would be in a nasty DN. I mean, oh, he, he, he would, kill people. He's the, he's the Alabama type DM when he gets up he there. Kill people. His footwork and foot speed coming off the line is just it is it is incredible. Yeah, and he's another guy that you're just gonna have to see how his body grows. We just don't know. Uh, but he's but already way, he's already I mean, at two forty five. Either either what either position he plays, I mean, he could be a he's not a linebacker that's just a run stopper. I mean, he, if he put on ten pounds and stays an outside linebacker, he could get a lot of PT because he's someone that can stuff to play the edge. He has the strength to play the edge and hold the edge while also coming in and stopping people in pass. Yeah, absolutely. And the, it, now I know that like obviously where the guys are ranked, the stars, it doesn't mean everything. It, it, it's a pretty solid indication most of the time, but. They don't get it all right. They just don't. They get it right sometimes. They don't get it right all the time. But if you look at the rankings, we of those five guys that we have slotted out at linebacker inside and outside, we don't have anyone at that in that position group ranked lower than 144 nationally. That's crazy. Adam Anderson comes in at 18. Britton Cox 23. Quay Walker 31. And he was he was uh, the second highest rated four star. I think Quay Walker's a five star. That's just me. Channing Tindall just outside the top 100 at 103 nationally, and Ojalari at 144. That averages out to 63.8 nationally in the 247 composite rating. So that is insane. Three guys essentially in the top 30 
That's that's insanity at a critical position. And that, to me, that's one of the positions that we struggle with this year. I know Lorenzo and I know Davin are, are, are DGDs and really played well for us at times. But were, ever, were either of those guys a true uh, game-wrecking threat as our pass rusher last year? No. They were not. Now, they, they did a good job. And, and Davin had some very well-timed uh, sack fumbles, you know, at Notre Dame in the SEC title game. And, and they played really well for us most of the year. But neither one of those guys were prolific pass rushers. Okay, they were not. I think with those with with Adam Anderson and Britton Cox, and I think I'm really high on Ojolari too when he comes back from his injury. But Anderson and Cox, especially those guys, have the potential to be elite pass rushers, especially Anderson. Uh, so I think the ceiling there is a lot higher than what we saw last year, and we didn't we didn't have that dominant pass rusher. We might have one of those. We might have that guy in this class. It's, it's certainly possible. And I mentioned Quay Walker and Chainton. I think those guys are going to be the linebackers of the future. I know Nate McBride and Monty Rice came in a year ahead of them. I'm sorry, guys. Walker and Tyndall are just better prospects. And maybe it doesn't work out for them. Maybe life never goes on. I don't know. But I really think if you look at pure athleticism and, and ability, those guys are better prospects. So I would not be shocked. I know that, that, that Rice and, and McBride have a year on them, but I just, I don't know how you're going to keep Walker and Tyndall off the field long term. I just, I don't know how. I really don't. I just don't see it. And that comes that brings to the offensive line uh, at number two. And when you sign a class that has Jamari Salyer as a tenth rated prospect in the nation, uh, Cade Mays at number twenty two nationally, both five stars, Trey Hill at sixty second nationally, those three guys right there, and you say that's not the best position group in your class. Well, if that's the case, you know you sign one heck of a class, one truly elite class. So, but what is it that puts the linebackers ahead of the offensive line? Because you have some elite guys. Is it is it the offensive line? The depth just isn't quite there. I think it's a fact of, like we said, the need at linebacker that we, we lost so much. I mean, right now we're returning four of our five starting offensive linemen. I mean, you'll have a, a, a battle to right tackle. I mean, Sal, you're probably pushed for the left guard position going against Baker. But other than that, I mean, uh, you also got to look at, wow, my mind went blank with the center's name. Um, Gilliard? No. Uh, oh, in this class, Erickson? Yeah, Erickson. I mean, he's a, he's a solid From player, but I think yeah. he's, a, he's the one that brings down your overall rating compared to what you got. Actually, Condon was the lowest. Condon was 447 oh, Condon, nationally. I forgot about him, yeah. Those two kind of bring it down a little but I mean, yeah. you've got your very top-heavy with your top three players, but compared to what you have with the linebackers, who, who like I said, those guys all could realistically come in and play this year, where I think Hill it needs a good redshirt season to get his weight under control. Yeah, I think that's fair, and he and he's sixty second nationally. So if you look at the, if you take the top three each of those positions, there's there's five guys at each of those positions at linebacker and outside linebacker. The top three linebacker, I'm sorry, linebacker and offensive line. Uh, top three linebackers: Anderson, 18th; Brendan Cox, 23rd; Quay Walker, 31st. Uh, uh, offensive line: Salyer, 10; Mays, 22; Trey Hill, 62. So comparable, but still even the top three. I would take the linebackers, and then you look at the depth: Channing Tindall, 103; Aziz Ojolari, 144; uh, Warren Erickson, 263 out of North Gwinnett. Owen Condon from Oklahoma, 447. So the average for the offensive line is 160. So if you look at it by the numbers, the linebacking core is better. Uh, and I also, if you, just watching those guys play, I'm higher on that group as a whole than I am the offensive line as a whole. Now, Jamari Sire is going to be a monster. He might be the best offensive guard prospect to come out in the last decade, possibly. And we'll have to see him do it on the field. But in terms of just how he's dominated on the camp circuit, in games, at all-star games, I mean, the guy's a beast. Cade Mays, uh, another guy that, you know, we really, you know, God, kudos again to, to Pittman for being able to pull these guys. But, you know, he's a, he's going to be a very good player for us. But is he going to play right away? Probably not. 
right? I mean, I don't know, maybe, but would I mean, you? Push, but I'd be shocked if Wilson got beat out. Yeah, I just I would be surprised at this point. Not saying he couldn't do. It, I just I'd be surprised. And then Trey Hill, you're right. He's got to get his weight under control a little bit, which is fine. He's got he's got a tree trunk for a lower half, um, but uh, he's all legs. Uh, but he's a guy that I think could, could definitely be a player for us. And I think Hill or Erickson could potentially play center. So there's, then there's a, it's, it's a really deep position group. I just, again, think linebacker is just a little, just a little bit better when you look at the, look at it in totality here. So can't go wrong with either position. Really can't go wrong with any of these positions because we're, again, we're kind of just nitpicking here because when you sign a, a class as elite as what we just signed, potentially the greatest class of all time, at least in the modern recruiting era, I think uh, it, it's hard to really nitpick too much. But we just kind of want to take a look at this position by position, give you guys our take on what we think we have coming in here in this 2018 class. But uh, we definitely appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to listen. Uh, For Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, guys, go dogs.